So let's turn to uh, Luke chapter 21, verse 34, please. My privilege to share the Word of God with you tonight. And uh, let's take it where the Lord led me to. So, best place to go, right? Luke 21, 34. It's going to be a message about prayer. Luke 21, 34. Jesus said, But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life, and that day come on you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. So I would say that the, the majority of evangelical Christians, maybe the vast majority, I don't know, I haven't seen a Barna poll on this, believe we are living in the end times or in the latter days. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. I, I know this. I'm not sure that the vast majority of evangelical Christians are watching and praying. I don't think that's the case. Um, I think the studies support that. The events that are going around us in the world today and the technological developments that are taking place are making it more and more possible, almost daily, for the Antichrist to rise up and to dominate mankind, as predicted in the book of Revelation, the book of Daniel, many, many of the books of the Bible. I know I spoke at length one evening about China developing a system that looks so much like the Antichrist's domination system that if that's not the system, it's certainly a good prototype for that system. Today, I, I've heard some breaking news out of China. Um, they're now, uh, they, have a poten- they have a system that they're putting into effect that will actually allow artificial intelligence to prosecute their citizens. So in other words, there'll be no need for a human citizen to touch the case. Uh, there'll be 10,000 points of data that the artificial intelligence will collect on eight major crimes that Chinese citizens commit, and they will prosecute the law without any human intervention, and you'll either be sentenced to prison or fines with no, really, hardly a human touching the case. So, talk about the beast, right? So anyway, I think we have a sense, I could go on for hours about the last days, but I just want to, this is a message about prayer, not about the last days. But I want to say, if you don't think we're living in the end times, there is definitely a chance that you're falling into the category of people that the Bible warned against, which is, in the last days they will say, where is the promise of his coming? And that's not a good place to be. We should certainly be on guard against any kind of skeptical or mocking thinking as as relates to the return of the Lord. (laughs) And not be saying, where is the promise of his coming? God forbid. And Christ clearly gives specific warnings about these latter times that most of us acknowledge that we live in. I know here we do, praise God. But again, this is not a message about the end times. This is a message about prayer. But clearly from the scripture, there is a linking that Jesus made to living in the last days and prayer. In verse 24, we see see this oft-repeated theme in, in scriptures about the end times. There is a distinct possibility that God's people in the end days, could be lackadaisical. Distinct possibility. Jesus spoke about it at length. The Bible says there will be these tendencies in the world before his return, and there will be a falling away from faith. Now, I'm just, I'm just covering one little passage in Luke 21, 
But I could go to 1 Timothy, uh, where it says in the last days, perilous times will come. Or I could say Jesus saying, as it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, as it was in the days of Noah. Jesus saying, where, where iniquity will abound, the sin of the love of many will, will wax cold. I mean, how many places could I go, right? By the way, Christian friend, this is no light warning. Do you see what Jesus does here? He puts his, he puts his people that have their hearts weighed down with the cares and concerns of this life with two clearly unchristian behaviors. People weighed down with the cares of this life, all wrapped up in the cares of this life, are lumped in with those who are partying, drinking, and fornicating. You see that in the list there. Like in the parable of the sower, where the cares of this world strangle out the good seed. It says that in Mark 4, 19. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things entering in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. That's what he's talking about here. Cares, riches, and desires for other things. So I have to say, where are our hearts at? Jesus said that if our hearts are all wrapped up in the care and this concern, and earthly cares, and and the next fun thing, or the next bill that we owe, and making more money, very dangerous place to be. You know, I heard, I heard a second-hand account of a brother in the church who told another brother in the church that the main thing he wants to be doing at this stage in his life is making money. That was his main priority. Wow. He might as well have sworn, in my opinion. He might as well have said something about chasing a woman, in my opinion, because the Bible says those that are all wrapped up in the cares of this world are in the same category as those who are drunken and carousing. That's what Jesus said. I didn't make this up. Jesus said it. And he's the boldest preacher of all. That is not watching and praying. If we are weighed down with the cares of this life, we're in that same category. That's what Jesus said. It's pretty clear. But again, this is a message about prayer. But I think we had to go there first. Now, the opposite of this threefold condition is we watch and pray. The world will be difficult for people of faith in the latter days. And for all those on the world, you know, they're not going to escape either. Oh yeah, it's going to be hard for the Christian. It is hard for the Christian in some places more than others. But the people in the world aren't escaping either, are they? And it's going to get much worse for them, isn't it? But God has given us an antidote against the danger of people's faith growing cold and giving up or turning our attention to worldly desires and pursuits. With the state of the world as it is, do we want to run the risk of doing what Jesus said at his return? Is this a good time to take that risk? I don't think it is. There's never a good time, actually. Why there's never a good time? Brother Bob said, they make the caskets in all different sizes, don't they? Our last moment could be any time, so we always have to be ready. Not just ready for the return of Jesus, but tonight on the way home from here, someone could have their, their, their uh, appointment with eternity. So the Christian's antidote to this distracted state is watching and praying. I know there are many that are not doing this. Because it's so easy not to. And I must confess, there is a large portion of my Christian walk when I was not watching and praying. I am very sad to say. I say it with sorrow. But not anymore, by God's grace. 
I'm thankful for that. The antidote from God's word against the carousing strain, against the drunkenness strain, against the cares of this world strain, and stain, and the deceitfulness strain is watching and praying. That's the medicine from God's word that keeps us fresh and on fire and alive and supplies us with power to live right, full of faith, full of spiritual energy, to fight back against discouragement and sleepiness, and to stay alive for Jesus until he comes. And that preventative medicine is what Jesus was prescribing here. Dr. Jesus was prescribing watch and pray. Watch and pray. We want to be excited about our walks in the Lord. It's an adventure in Christ. What an exciting adventure. The most exciting adventure that man has. So are we doing that? Are we watching and praying? And the answer is no for some and yes for some. Watchful means, obviously, to spiritually pay attention. But it also has a sense of responsibility and a sense of duty. You know, to be on guard, to be on watch, it carries a much greater weight than just keeping your eyes open. It's, it's, there's, a, there's a sense of that. When Jesus combined together the watch and the prayer, he was laying on us this responsibility, this sense of urgency and importance of the watch. He linked these two words together, watching and praying. And he also said, not just to his disciples, what I say to you, I say to all, he said. Which means it applies today. In today's world, you know, the only ones watching are security guards. You know, you'll see a security guard up, maybe the soldier on patrol. It's not a common occurrence in our lives. But in the Bible days, there would be watchmen at the city walls, walking the city walls. Every night, if you lived in Jerusalem, you would see watchmen on the walls. The, The shepherds with the sheep would be watching. If you were traveling through the country, there'd be bandits. Someone would stay up on watch. This was a very, uh, uh, very uh, strong concept to the people of Jesus' day. And it isn't so much to us today, but there's a sense of responsibility to it. Jesus linked together watching, the responsibility of watching, and the responsibility of praying. It's watch and pray. You must treat it like it's a serious duty, because it is a serious duty in the Lord. Lord, help your people across this world to be watching and praying. Now it says, worthy, counted worthy, it says in this scripture. And it's given as the opposite of those behaviors. Now we're not talking about worthiness based on our own righteousness, of course. Our righteousness is found alone in Jesus. But it does talk about not being sloppy, right? Not sloppy in our relationships with God. Those who are not sloppy in their relationships with God are going to be watching and praying. And Jesus said, those folks are going to be counted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass on the earth. Praying is not optional in the Christian walk. Not to have a good walk with Jesus. Not the kind of walk that Jesus wants for us. Do not think that any of us are exempt from watching and praying. Remember what he said to his disciples. He says to all, watch and pray. Let's turn to Jude one let Let's see another example of watching and praying. You may not have thought of that in regards to this scripture. But let's turn to Jude chapter 1, verse 20, please.
120. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. You know, in this scripture, we see praying. We see praying in the Holy Spirit. We see people maintaining their faith and their love for Christ. For it says, keep yourselves in the love of God. You know, we got to choose to keep ourselves in the love of God. We see watching here. Look what it says. For they are looking for. When you're watching, you're looking for. They are looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. The Christian praying is looking for the mercy of God in their lives. And they are keeping themselves in the love of God. Faced with difficult times in this world, this is what we are to do. You, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, and looking to the Lord for his mercy. We are strengthened, brethren. We are built up when we pray. When we pray in the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible says. And when we pray in the Holy Spirit, we are keeping ourselves in the faith. Looking for is what the watchman does. Looking for enemies. The watchman looks for enemies. But he also looks for his Lord's return. Jesus gave such a parable, did he not? The watchmen were looking for their Lord's return. And watching is looking for answers to prayer. Praying, but then believing and looking for. Looking for. My help comes from the Lord. I'm looking up to the hills from whence my help comes from the Lord. The Lord is coming over the hill to help us, praise God. That's what the watchman does. He watches against enemies. He watches against deceit. He watches for his Lord's return. And he watches for answer to prayer. All those things. So, like I said, this is a message about praying. When we're all wrapped up in the day-to-day, we can forget to watch and pray. Especially in the crazy times like we're living in now. There's a lot of distractions. But I want to stay engaged with Jesus at this time more than I've ever been engaged with Jesus. As the day approaches, as the Bible says. And I want to personally, me, Don Cullen, I want to get better at praying in 2022. I want to pray, I want to learn to pray as the scriptures tell us to pray, that we might see more results coming out of our prayer lives. I want to, I, me, I want a better prayer life. I want to see more results. How about you? So to get better at praying, how do we do that? We go to the manual on prayer, which is the Bible, the word of God, tells us how to pray. Is there not a ton of information about prayer in the Bible? You know, there's thousands of mentions in the Bible of praying and calling on the Lord and asking for help. There's actually, I I didn't do the count once again on this, but through the power of Google, uh, someone else counted them up. There are 650 prayers in the Bible, someone said. 650 prayers. There's approximately 450 recorded answers to prayer in the Bible. The Bible records Jesus praying 25 different times during his earthly ministry. The Bible says Jesus is still interceding on our behalf in heaven. Wow! So I think Jesus knows a lot about prayer. The Apostle Paul mentioned prayer 41 different times. As we study God's word on how to pray, our faith grows. Faith comes by hearing, 
and hearing by the Word of God. You want more faith? Get into the Word of God more. That's simple as that. Sometimes God's answers to our questions and our problems are so straightforward and simple that we miss them. Just like a plant starts with a seed, right? So faith starts with the seed of God's Word. That's what the Bible says. You know, last time I took some time to talk about the character of God. How good He is. And how serious He is about keeping His Word to His people. When we pray to God, He records all of our prayers in heaven. He listens to our prayers. Remember the of Zacharias? He remembered his prayers even though he was an old man and he probably had stopped praying about it 20 or 30 years before. He couldn't even believe his old prayer was being answered. But God's, Jesus said, the Lord said through the angel, I have heard your prayers. He's like, what? And he collects our tears in a bottle. Praise God. The goodness of God. We want to know that our God, he is God. He is good, and all of his answers come out of his good character. Praise God. Time before that, I shared on how God is working while we wait. He's working. He's busy in our lives. He's waiting to do good for us. He doesn't waste any time while we're waiting on him. So I started talking about prayer a couple times ago. So I want to continue on this tonight to get better in prayer. And, and I think the Holy Spirit is making me stay here in prayer, even as you all read, or most of you have gotten the copy of, a free copy of the book, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, from the, from the bookstore, which is a gift from the church to you. And I hope you're finding it encouraging. It's a wonderful book. So while we're all thinking about prayer, let's preach about prayer. Praise God. God wants us to have success in our prayer life. So he sends us back to his word to get that direction and to get faith. First of all, let's say this. God wants us to be successful in prayer. Let's turn to Psalm 91, verse 1. God wants us to be successful in prayer. That's what his word says. We're going to the manual. Psalm 91, verse 1. Psalm 91, verse 1. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and Him will I trust. Now we know from Matthew 6 that we are to pray in secret. Jesus said in Matthew 6, you don't have to turn there, you're familiar with it, I'll just read it to you. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door... Pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And what does it say up here in Psalm 91.1? He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. That's the same place, brethren. The prayer closet is the secret place of the Most High. Your Father is in secret waiting for you. The Christian who dwells in that secret place, that's a praying Christian. Now, let's go down to verse 15. Of this Christian who is in the secret place, 91, verse 15, what does it say here? That Christian who meets God in the secret place, it says of that person, He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. You see that? That Christian who is in the secret place, who's dwelling under the shadow of his wings, God says that person... 
I, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. Praise God. I will deliver him and honor him. And of course, that speaks about Jesus, but it speaks about any Christian who is in the secret place. The praying Christian is a Christian who is spending time with God in prayer in the secret place, dwelling in his presence daily. And if you're that Christian, my God says that you shall call upon the Lord and he will answer you. That is what the Bible says. In Matthew 6, it says, he will, re- will, he will reward you openly. Same sense. Psalm 91, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. Matthew 6, he will reward you openly if you're in that secret place. Those are promises from God's word. When we pray, we can go boldly into the throne room because of Jesus and say, Lord, your word says that I shall call upon you and you will answer me as I abide in the secret place. You can, you can repeat back to God his promises to you. That's why he made promises to us, praise God. You know, the Bible says if we, if we lack wisdom or answers in some area of our life, we can ask God and he will not scold us. He doesn't say, why are you asking me that? You know, remember like your old grumpy uncle or grandfather or your dad or somebody. Why are you asking me that for? <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> nope, that's not our God. That's not our God. Don't let that experience color your experience with our God. The Bible says if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God and he will not upbraid you. He won't rebuke you for it. It's a promise from him that he will give you wisdom. He will answer our questions through his word. So the other day I was praying. I said to the Lord, because I was thinking about the fact that there's 8,800 plus promises in the Bible. I was thinking about that while I was praying, and I'm like, Lord, there's so many promises. It almost seems like you repeat yourself. And it was so neat what happened. I'm not saying this was a vision. I'm just going to tell you what I saw. I had an image pop into my mind. As soon as I prayed that, I had an image pop into my mind. And uh, it was a field full of pumpkins, big orange pumpkins, and there was even white pumpkins. Have you ever seen a white pumpkin? Well, there's white pumpkins. So there's orange pumpkins and there's white pumpkins. And I, and I, and I was like, I felt, I, I was like, what does that have to do with what I just prayed? And anyway, I'm just going to try to repeat back the best I can as to what the Holy Spirit kind of prompted in my heart. And so when I asked the God, why so many promises? The Lord, I felt this in my spirit, because I want you to find them. I don't want you treating my promises like some hidden and secret thing. But I want my promises to be like a ripe field full of fruit for my people. A field that is ready to harvest. I want it to be easy, beloved, for you to find my promises to you and appropriate them in your life. That's why there's so many promises. I want you to find them. I want you to have those promises. It's, they're, not, they're not secret truffle mushrooms that you've got to have a special pig to dig them out. You know, hidden in the, the pig snorting around. Look, oh, there's some truffles under here. That must be a promise from God. No, they're big. They're bold. They're bright. They're, they're there to get our attention. <laughs> so I think that's what I mean by if we ask of God, he will give us clarity, won't he? Isn't that a wonderful experience when God answers your prayer and shows you something that you've never seen before? There's nothing better than that. (laughs) That's worth seeking the Lord alone for every day, just to get one of those once in a while. Thank you, Lord. You know, I heard an interesting analogy from a pastor the other day. He was from California, sunny California. So he talked about how many vehicles out in California have four-wheel drive these days. 
But in many parts of the country, like California, they almost never use their four-wheel drive, right? Now, that's not a problem in Syracuse. You use your four-wheel drive just getting past the end of your driveway, right? That's why you buy four-wheel drive, only to get out of the end of your driveway, that three-foot section that's, you know, piled up and icy. But around the country, people buy these cars for four -wheel, with four-wheel drive, and they never use them, and they may never even engage. Or if you ask them, do you use that four-wheel drive? They say, no, I don't want to get my car damaged taking it off-road. And, and uh, they don't want to take their car on an adventure. And it sort of relates to prayer in the sense of, you know, God has equipped us with four-wheel drive. And we have four-wheel drive. And a lot of Christians aren't using four-wheel drive because they're just in conditions in their lives where the, all they need is two-wheel drive because they're only going out when the road is plowed and salted and it has, you know, it's above 32 degrees and there's no ice and God, they just stay, you know, the car is not being used the way it should be used. You know, and life is comfortable if we stay only on paved roads. But our faith is, is not to be like a four-wheel drive that is not being used. It's, it's, it's meant to take us on an adventure in Christ. A journey. Who doesn't love a journey? But if we're just living our lives, you know, comfortable and... Yeah, it's a two-wheel drive just stays engaged all the time. I'm perfectly happy. God's given us a four-wheel drive car through faith. And it's more fulfilling and more satisfying when that four-wheel drive takes you to the crest of a mountain. And now you've got this beautiful view that you would never have seen from that lowly street level. And that's available in Christ. So let's talk about how we approach God to have our prayers answered. Here's the first one. Here's, this is going to be a revelation to you guys. This is going to blow you away. If you want to have prayers answered, you have to pray. How's that? That's a powerful revelation, isn't it, from the scriptures? If you want to have, if you want to have prayers answered, you have to pray. You have to pray. That's a big surprise. How do we know that? Well, we know it in the natural you want to be a chef, you have to start cooking, right? If you want to be a marksman, you got to start shooting. If you want to be a master woodworker, you got to start working with wood. If we want to see God operating in our lives and answering prayer, we have to start praying. Now, how do we know this? We don't know this because I said it. We know this because John, excuse me, James chapter 4, verse 3, it's towards the end of the verse. Uh, James wrote, yet you do not have because you do not ask. That's how we know the answer to what I just told you. We are not making progress in our Christian walks like we should because we're not praying. We don't have because we ask not. We ask not. Sometimes we're not even asking God. We have questions in our hearts, but we're not taking them to God. The, the Bible says, ask of God. Ask of God. He will not scold you. Ask of him. Sometimes he may say to you, trust, just trust me. That's an answer. Just trust me is an answer. Maybe he doesn't answer. That's an answer. When God doesn't answer, it's an answer. Trust me. Wait on me. You know, sometimes we don't have more of an appetite for more of the will of God because we're not asking for more of an appetite for the will of God. Do you realize that? Or we're, we're not getting delivered from temptations. Why are we not getting delivered from temptations? We're not asking God to deliver us from temptations. Why, why is my life so full of temptations? That can happen. Start to ask God to remove the desire in your heart for those temptations, to remove the occasion of those temptations in your life, 
to surround you with godly influences and godly friends, start to ask God to deliver you from temptations. And he will do so. Now, it may take time, but he will get you there. We have not because we ask not. And sometimes we don't ask because we like our temptations. They're like our little idols that we can put in our pocket. Am I wrong? So we need to identify targets to pray about. We need to be reflective and meditating in God's Word so that we can target those things. You know, remember when I was talking about the sailboat uh, going out to sea? You know, the sailboat wasn't designed to be in the harbor. It was designed to go out to sea. But going out to sea can be daunting. You know, the big will of God can be daunting in our lives. But sometimes, if we just ask for the grace to get to that next island. In other words, we're breaking down the journey. You know, we're eating the elephant in many bites. And so in our prayer lives, we can target things as we reflect and pray and meditate on God's Word. Wow, God, I just read in your Word about this. I, am, I don't have faith for that. I don't have faith for that. That's not me. If that's on your heart, you can start to ask God for faith for that thing. Maybe it's one of the gifts from the, in the church, one of the spiritual gifts. I don't have faith for healing, to believe healing. Start to ask God. Ask Him. He will give His gifts freely, the Bible says. But we've got to break it down. We've got to look at the big will of God and break it down into smaller pieces. You know, many Christians don't put enough time in thinking about the things that they need to pray about on this journey. So we have not because we ask not, because we haven't spent the time to say, this is where I'm at, this is where i got to go, and this is, a prop, this is an impediment. This, this, for instance, I'll give you an example. Here's an example I pray about every day. I, my, I have a fairly quick mind, so therefore I have a fairly quick tongue. Okay? And that, that, is, that gets me in a fair, has gotten me in a fair amount of trouble in my life, right? <laughs> and uh, so years ago, I started praying every single day about my tongue. Well, first of all, because I was preaching, I want to get a word from the Lord. So I always pray, Lord, give me something to share with the brethren so that they might be fed. But I also started to pray for the little things, you know. God, help me to be just super conscious and super controlled in my tongue and way more careful about what I say to my wife or my children or my friends or the brethren. Help me. And I'm still struggling like the rest of us, right? People catch you off guard. You say the wrong thing. But I've made tremendous strides by praying about this. That is a tremendous answer to prayer in my life, that God has given me a bridle over my tongue much better than it used to be. I mean, it's measurable to me, at least, because I know how my mind goes, right? And I just, yeah, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> and I thank God for that grace. That was a problem that impeded my uh, progress in the Lord. So I pray about it every day, and I continue to pray about it. Not going to stop until I get home to heaven. So we got to spot those insufficiencies in our life and pray about them. He will answer those prayers if you start asking him. You have not because you ask not. Okay, but okay, you're all praying faithfully now all of a sudden. So let's, let's make that assumption. What is the first thing we need to do to have more success in prayer? Well, we got to pray. But here's, here's what the scripture says. We must come to God with reverent submission to his will, not our own. So I'm only going to cover two more points with you tonight. These are important. And then I have like five or six for the next time I share, Lord willing. So we got to come with reverent submission. Let's go to the scriptures and see this. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. Okay? Let's see. Who is our best example on this earth? Jesus. Jesus. Let's see what Jesus did. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. 
We've got to come to God with reverent submission to his will. I'm going to explain what, what, what I mean by that. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. We've got to pray, and we've got to come with reverent submission to his will. Hebrews 5, 7. Speaking of Jesus, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Now the NIV says of this verse at the end, he was heard because of his reverent submission. Jesus' prayer, Jesus is our example, am I right? His prayer was heard because of his reverent submission. And of course this relates back to the Garden of Gethsemane. Right? The Garden of Gethsemane, Luke twenty two forty two. I'll just read it to you. You've, you've heard this scripture before. Luke twenty two forty two. Father, Jesus prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. That was Christ's reverent submission to his Father. That was Christ's godly respect for his Father. That's what you see there. And that's why it says in the model prayer, right? The model prayer that Jesus gave to us. He said, we are told to pray like this. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And brethren, whenever we say to God or to anybody, your will be done, we are saying to God, not my will be done, right? If God's will is going to be done, it's not going to be my will because I'm not God. We're saying to God, Thy will be done. Your will be done means not my will be done. And that's what Jesus showed us. He went to God with reverent submission. Are we willing to say that to to the Lord like Jesus did? Well, to be successful in prayer, to be heard like Jesus was heard, I'm going to talk about in a second how Jesus was heard. We have to pray like Jesus. Reverent submission to the Lord. If your will, what we're saying to God when we say, thy will be done, what we're saying is this. If your will and my will are not in accord, then Lord, I renounce my will in order that your will be done. It is your will that I want to prevail. I choose your will over my will. And of course, that's the old battle over the selfish person, right? The selfish person like, no, my will be done, my will be done. The world is full of people that are trying to impose their will on others. But the Christian spiritual person is going to say, Lord, your will be done. Now, why would, we, why would we do that? Why would we do that? Well, let me just give you three quick reasons why we would trust God to say that. Number one, God loves us more than we love ourselves. He loves us more than mommy loved you, daddy loved you, your best friend loves you. God loves you more than anybody loves you. That's why you can trust him. Charles Spurgeon said, He who counts the stars and calls them by name is in no danger of forgetting his children. (laughs) He had a way with words, didn't he, that brother? Man, preacher's preacher. Secondly, God understands us and our situations better than we do. He's got all the facts. You notice when we pray to the Lord, our Father, who art in heaven. Well, heaven is one amazing vantage point, isn't it? 
He's, he sees the whole picture. He sees every contingency of every path. You do this, this could happen, da, da, da. He sees it all. So first of all, he loves us more than we love ourselves. Second of all, he, uns our situa- he understands our situation better than we do. Third, he only wants what's best for us in this life. And in the next life. He's not going to just give us stuff in this life that's going to mess up our next life. He doesn't do that. He's a good father, isn't he? He will never jeopardize your soul. If you're getting what you think is an answer to prayer and is putting you in any kind of a precarious situation, that is not an answer to prayer. God will never jeopardize your soul. If you ask him for bread, he will not give you a rock. If you ask him for an egg, he will not give you a scorpion. He's not going to give you a snake when you ask him for a fish. When we surrender our will, brethren, we do so knowing he loves us, he's got the big picture, and he only wants what's best for us. That's why we can surrender to him. Praise God. His will is better, plain and simple. I know this is very basic, but I want to encourage you in this. Praise God. We need to be reminded, don't we? Uh, let's go to Hebrews 11.6. Hebrews 11.6. Now this is the second point I want to make. So the first one is, we've got to come in reverent submission, like Jesus did, to his heavenly Father. And by the way, even though Jesus went through the cross, as I talked about before, Jesus' prayers were answered. His soul was not left in hell. He was raised from the dead. He sits on the right hand of God the Father, and he is King of kings and Lord of lords. His prayers were answered. Yeah, the cross came first. Jesus' prayers were answered. He's not an example of a failed prayer. Like, he surrendered to God, and look what happened. Yeah, look what happened. God raised him from the dead. He took him up to heaven on high. He's king of kings and lord of lords. He's going to rule the universe forever. Not exactly a failure. <laughs> In the long game, right? Three days later, the whole situation changed. Okay, Hebrews eleven six. The second thing. We got to come. This is the only second thing I'm going to cover. Just two things tonight. Hebrews eleven six. We got to come to God with faith, faith. So reverent submission, faith. Hebrews eleven six. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. If you're coming to the Lord, you must believe that He is there, that He exists. But not just that. I mean, there's people all over the world that say they believe in God, and it does them no good. They get no answers to their prayers. They have to believe he is, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And when we're praying, we are diligently seeking him. If you lean towards Jesus, he will lean towards you. If you seek Jesus, he will seek after you. You know, a while ago when I studied this verse, I was surprised by the meaning of the word he rewards. In the Greek, that word means one who pays wages, a rewarder, but principally one, the guy who pays his wages, the guy who pays the bills to his employees. And this really relates to the character of God. And I relate in a small way as an employer myself. You know, if you work for someone, if you work for somebody, you have to have confidence that they will pay you. And that the check won't bounce. Won't be one of those rubber checks. Ba-boing, ba-boing. 
there were a couple, a few years ago, we had uh, a couple, some kids who worked for us, and they worked for our business part-time, and they worked for another business part-time. I think maybe some of them are even here, I'm not sure, but um, the other employer's checks were bouncing. And so they, the kids were great. They, they liked the person, and they were kind, and they, they said, oh, well, the check bounced, but I really like them, and I want them to succeed, so I'm going to keep their, you know, they had good hearts, right? Good, naive hearts. And, but anyway, over time, they, they figured out that they liked being paid. They liked the actual checks that ended up in currency. So they stopped working eventually after a couple of weeks for the bouncing check business, and they worked for our business, right? And uh, that's a fundamental part of the contract between an employer and employee. You're going to do this, I'm going to pay you, right? And then you're going to cash it, and it's going to be good. So the Bible says God is a rewarder. In other words, God backs up his promises that you will find him when you seek him. He doesn't have rubber checks in his checkbook. We come to God with the expectation that when we seek him, we're going to find him. When it says reward, it doesn't mean bonuses. Like, like, like oh, this is just a bonus. Like, uh, it's my discretion. No, God, he says he's going to pay us. He's going to pay us for the time that we invest in seeking him. Not that he has to, but he chooses to out of his good nature, praise God. So we can have that confidence and faith when we come to him. If you believe him, he will show you. And because he said that, he is in fact a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He pays that bill. Now, if an employee got a check from me and I had not given him any reason to doubt me, in other words, my checks had never bounced, he didn't hear me talking on the phone about business is really bad, I don't know if I'm going to be able to meet payroll this week, right? If he hasn't, I haven't given him any of that. He should not doubt that my check will go through. If he did doubt, I would, I'd make a funny face at him. And I would go, dude, why are you doubting me? I'm, insul- I'm hurt. I'm, I'm insulted. I would be insulted as a man. I would be insulted. Is this, gonna, is this check going to work? I would be like, why would you say that? I would be insulted, right? So God has told us that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. His checks are cashable. He's going to be there on payday if you diligently seek him. So let's not insult the Lord. Let's believe his wonderful and abundant promises. That's the confidence we should have, right? That's the confidence we should have. You know, the employee working for a trustworthy employer, it never crosses their mind even that the check will bounce. It never even crosses their mind, not even for a second. So why would we doubt God? Now, in the Bible times... They didn't issue checks, right? There was a payday. They were, or pay, maybe they got paid every day. But when they went to look for the employer, he wasn't like he disappeared. You know, the guy, where is he? I don't know. He said he'd meet us here at 4 o'clock. It was a long day. He's nowhere to be seen. He's got his bag of coins. He ran off. No. He, they wouldn't come back the next day if that was the case. He would pay them every day for their labors. And we don't want to let our past experience, brethren, with people with crummy employers, with parents that let us down, or friends that let us down, or some religion or some philosophy that let us down, influence the fact that God, the real God, you know, the, the God, my God, your God, the real God, says that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He's going to pay that because it's part of his character. He's a good father. He's a good father. Hallelujah. So because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, we want to regularly get into God's word. That's why. We want to get into God's word. 
We want to have faith that comes from regularly getting into God's Word. When I'm in the morning, I usually study the God's Word for a while before I pray, because I want to be bolstered by the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And when we pray according to God's will, we can have confidence that He's going to answer us, the Bible says. One final thought. You may say, yeah, brother, but what is the will of God for my, my life? Read the Bible and you'll find out. Read the Bible and you will find out. You know, often we are very, uh, we're very keen and very curious and very piqued by the idea of what is the will of God for my life? Where am I supposed to live? What is the job I'm supposed to have? What is the, the call I'm supposed to have? All these, these things that are very specific, right? And the Bible says if we actually concentrate on doing what God's Word says, all these other things will get filled in very nicely. But our questions so often, well, which spouse, who should I marry, and where should I live? We want all these detailed answers. Well, let's just start out by getting into God's Word, seeing what God's Word says for our daily life and our conduct. Start to do those things. Start to fill in those boxes. And the Bible says by seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things will become crystal clear to you, my friend. Don't seek after the answers to those kind of questions first and foremost. Seek after doing God's will first and foremost. Make that your priority. Now, I'm not saying you can't ask about those other things. Of course, you're free to do whatever you want. But do what God's word says, which is seek his will first. Fill yourself up with the Bible, what the Word of God says. The Bible says in Ephesians 5, we're supposed to know what the will of God is. And, th- and that scripture in Ephesians, it's, it's Ephesians 5, 17, it says, Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. You know, And so it's really neat, that scripture is nestled in the middle of all these other scriptures. Like, all these other scriptures, like, um, walk in the light, have fellowship in the light, um, just dozens and dozens of commandments. So it says, know what the will of God is, and it's surrounded by the will of God. Go to that scripture, and then look in chapter 5, and look in chapter 6. Chapter 6 ends with the uh, armor of God. Okay? And that tells you, that's more of the will of God, right? Put on the armor of God. So when we get into the word of God, our faith grows, we start to understand what God's will is for our lives, and we start seeking his kingdom first, these answers, you know, where you're supposed to live, what your career is supposed to be, what your college is, these things are the burning desires of man's hearts, but they're often a misdirection from the more important thing, which is square yourself away with Jesus, know what his word says as it applies to your life, seek him, he's going to pay his wages to you, he will take care of the rest for you, praise God. So that's, that's, that's the message for tonight. So, Watch and pray. It's our Christian duty and responsibility. Don't take it lightly. Take it seriously. The Bible says we have not because we ask not. If we want answers to prayer, we've got to pray more. Ask for God. Put our, put our spiritual cars in four gear, four-wheel drive, right? Come to him in humble, reverential submission to his will, like Jesus did for his Father. And go to the Word of God to have our faith built up, and our understanding of God's will built up. I know it's a very simple message, but I hope it's an encouragement to you. And I hope tomorrow you pray. The next day you get up and you pray. And when you go to bed at night, 
you pray and you ask God for these things and you see these challenges that you have in your life and start to ask God for these challenges that you have in your life. And I believe you're going to get an answer to prayer. Praise God. Thank you for your time. I'm going to pray and dismiss. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. It's so, so good to us, Lord. Thank you for your precious promises, Lord, which are so beautiful and bright and abundant in the fields that you have for us, Lord. Help us to grab hold of our arms full of those promise pumpkins, Lord. Help us to obey you and seek out your will first, Father. Bless my brethren. Let the word sink deep in their hearts. Let it affect our behavior, my behavior first and foremost, all of their behaviors. And let's go forth and produce a harvest for Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Good night.